right. Well, hello. Welcome, everybody, to the officially unofficial Rings of Power After Party brought to you by Fellowship of Fans and Watch Party Network. My name is Michael. And with me on screen here is Jen Gallagher. We host Watch Party Network's Lord of the Rings podcast. And also on screen is Mr. Wizard himself, Kyle from Fellowship of Fans, without whom none of this would be possible. We would just be screaming at uh, an empty computer screen. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. No, I'm just here for I'm just here for tech support. Glad to be here. Super like big thanks to you guys for you know coming to us with this idea. And um, we're really looking forward to to this whole collaboration. And we've got a, I think we've got an exciting seven weeks ahead of us. So. Yes. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I am very, very stoked based on what I saw. I'm very excited to do this with everybody for the next for the next six weeks. Um, and we're just excited to engage with the community here. So I, we have a really good show today. Two panels. First up will be a newbie panel. That's what, kind of what we're calling it. That's going to look at the show for about an hour, just from a cinematic perspective, characters, narrative, plot, themes, all that stuff, not going to worry or concern themselves with the book lore at all. Um, that's not gonna come into that discussion. And I gotta say, I'm really, really excited for this panel. I, Jen's gonna be helming it. I'm excited to watch because as a super Tolkien fan, as much as I love watching the shows for the lore and thinking about that stuff, I, I'm a little bit sad that I don't get to come to it with a fresh perspective. You know, there's just, there's no way for me to, for me to experience it with fresh eyes. But watching this panel will be a way to do that because I got to see fresh takes and theories that will be hilariously wrong or surprisingly right. And uh, it's going to give me potentially a whole new outlook on what the show is doing and how it's landing for people. And I know that if you are a newbie yourself, that's this is going to be the perfect stream for you because you're not going to be spoiled. No spoilers whatsoever. Uh, but if you are a huge book nerd like I am, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun as well. Yeah, we've got really, really interesting and exciting guests on the panel that I'll introduce shortly. Um, but what we're going to do here is talk about what's going to be in this featured in this live stream. We have so many different elements. So Michael's yeah. going to kind of summarize what we're doing here. Yeah, so we have that first panel with the newbies. And, uh, and they really are as newbie as we could get. We tried to find people that didn't know Tolkien at all. They're like, Tolkien, what? Lord of the Rings, what? Those people don't exist. Peter Jackson's films are just too famous. So, but we found people that aren't really heavy into, especially the second age, maybe haven't read any of the books, um, you know, passingly familiar with the movies. So we got some people who are really coming at it with fresh eyes. The second panel will be our lore experts. I'm going to helm that panel. Uh, we're going to have a couple folks from Fellowship of Fans, Lakitia and Strider, and maybe Ken will join us. And our special guest this week is Matt from Nerd of the Rings, who I'm sure everybody who's watching this stream already knows and loves uh, so he's going to be great and we're going to get really deep into all the book stuff that's full book spoilers so if you want to avoid spoilers you can click away about an hour into the stream um, but it's not just about the discussions we really wanted to make this about the community and do some really special fun stuff so people who've been watching our twitter know we tweeted out uh, some special recipes custom made for us that everybody who wants to can make and experience together and we opened a discord a discord channel beforehand so people could like cook and talk about the recipes before the the episodes everybody's doing that we had a custom drink it was which is really really good i don't know if all y'all delicious jen oh, my gosh. oh yeah, it, it was, was like that minty freshness yeah. and the champagne it was wonderful and the fries were so good i hope people got a chance to partake in in those recipes they were really fantastic what got me was the gold luster dust mm. which you know, the recipe said a dab. Yeah. I don't know what unit of measurement a dab is. So I think I over dabbed and yeah. my, my drink was just totally overflowing <laughs> with gold. 
but uh, it, I think I'm going to put that in every clear drink I, I have from now on because it's absolutely. So fun. But something I'm really excited about today is there's a whole big side of the Tolkien community and every fantasy community that engages in art. They have great artists, and we wanted to feature some of those artists every week. So today's artist this week is Justin Gerard, and he has very graciously agreed to donate one of his pieces, which we're going to put up on screen here, The Battle for Moria, Dane versus Azog. It is it, it's awesome. It's so awesome. And, I think, Varking, uh, you might have some competition. Anyone in the chat who wants this, you might have some competition from Varking, so get yeah, it in while you can. I think Varking's going to outbid anybody. That's just how, right. it's, yeah. how it's going to go. Uh, but he's donated that, so we're going to raffle that off. And the way that raffle is going to work is we have Super Chats turned on. Anybody wants to put in a Super Chat for each dollar that you Super Chat, that's one raffle ticket. If you do, you know, $5, thank you, and that'll be five raffle tickets. And at the end of the stream, you know, we're going to cut off the, the Super Chat donations and we'll pick a winner and uh, we'll connect you directly with Justin. And he's going to ship out a nice large print of that piece directly to you. So thank you to Justin. He's not getting anything out of this. Um, other than just being a, a part of this community and adding on piling on to his generosity he's uh, created a custom code for his store so you can get ten dollars off any purchase of forty dollars or more if you use the code ring at checkout so please go patronize justin he's been it's great it's a screaming deal folks screaming deal you got to jump yeah, on that most of his prints are about forty dollars it's like 25 percent off his stuff is awesome you know we're gonna uh, highlight him a little bit later between the panels we're going to put up a bunch of his different art so you can see what's available um, and uh, i don't i don't currently have the links in the description but i uh, by the end of the stream i'll definitely make sure those are there so anyone can go back and, and find all that stuff yeah yeah and we'll we'll be announcing it throughout the stream so get your super chats in um and if nothing else you know support these folks at fellowship of fans they've been bringing you leaks for for months and building up the the, the stuff so I, I think they deserve it as well um kind. and so i think I think without too much further ado, we have the panels and we a really important part of the panels coming up. We're not just talking at you. We want you to talk to us, not just through the chat or the super chat features, but we're going to enable a live call in function. So I think Kyle is going to be pinning to the chat a link. So if you join the discord, we have a special channel. You can type in a question that you have, some, a comment that you want to make. We will give you a link and then you can ask that question on the air live. So it'll be like a radio call in show. Uh, so really excited for that. So as the newbie panel's going for like, you know, 30 minutes or so, it'll be just them talking, get your questions in, go and join the discord questions and comments. And then we'll try and reserve some time to go through as many of those questions as we can. So I'm really excited to engage directly with everybody out there who's watching. So with that, I think we're, we're ready to go. A quick note for people in the chat and your comments, keep it kind, keep it respectful. That's the name of the game. Uh, all opinions are welcome. You don't have to love the show to engage. You can have criticisms. I guarantee you our panelists will have some criticisms uh, throughout. So that's all. All those opinions are welcome here. Just uh, make sure you convey those comments, critical comments, respectfully, you know, personal attacks, all that stuff. So um, I'm sure we won't have a problem, but I just wanted to say that up top. All right, Jen, you want to take it away? Bring our new panel in? All right, in? here all right. we go. 
So welcome everybody who's just tuning in to the spoiler-free panel. So I have some really exciting guests who are going to be evaluating the show based on its own merits. We're not going to reference book lore. We will be referencing the Jackson films. Those are fair game. They've been out for 20 years, so I don't think we're spoiling anything for anyone. So I'd like to introduce now my panelists. I have some wonderful guests. First up, we have John from the fantastic What Up YouTube channel. Say hello, John. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm super excited to be here, and I know little to nothing, so this is great. <laughs> Excellent. That's what we're going for, a true noob. Uh, next up, we have Chobol, who is a moderator for the Fellowship of Fans uh, Reddit. So say hello, Chobol. Hello, everyone. Excited to be here. Um, looking forward to this format, um, and it's going to be a lot of fun, I think. A great ride. And he's coming to us all the way from Sweden, correct? Yep. So this is a truly international watch party, which is what we're going for. Um, and last but not least, we have musician musician extraordinaire. Please make welcome Matt Roland. Hey, everyone. Happy to be here. So I just asked John for his one word um, impression of the show and then briefly summarize uh, his initial impressions. Um, so there's a whole lot of words I could use, but I think polished is the best word I can think of for the show. It's my initial reaction. So I watched it at home. I didn't get to see it in the theater or any, any of the, the, the big screens that like some people did, but um, it was absolutely gorgeous. I, I, I don't know what else to say other than that. Um, I really enjoyed both episodes and I think they both not only looked well, they flowed well. And um, I was, I, I was very impressed. Excellent. Excellent. Matt Roland, we'll go to you. All right, one word, that's hard. Um, but I'll go slightly different direction. I'll say mystery. All right. I, I just thought it was uh I loved all the storylines. I'm loving, you know, the different worlds it's dropping us into. And I, I'm totally into each storyline as they're happening. And it feels like all of them have some mystery to it. So I'm I'm definitely hooked to kind of like, I don't know, get into the mysteries of the different storylines, you know, the meteor man and the rings and then what the elves are building and so i don't know i'm pretty excited about the doesn't feel like there's some this dark uh, narrative happening it just feels kind of like this hopeful i don't know adventure i guess so maybe adventure is a better word I like that. You know, uh, some folks I heard from who were new to the show had said the storylines feel just a little disjointed. So I'm glad to to hear that for you, that experience was not foremost in your mind, that you were enjoying the ride and, and the mystery of it all and and trying to put the pieces together. I think that's what they were going for. Um, Chobel, what about you? I would say breathtaking. Um, I actually got to see got to see it uh, in a cinema. Uh, and I was just like, it was an amazing experience. Uh, and that was actually one of my concerns uh, later uh, when I came home to see it on a smaller screen. Um, but it, it was just as amazing. Uh, the scenery is just wow. And you can feel that this is a big thing going on. Um, and yeah, I'm yeah, excited. Um I'm jealous of that experience. Our own, our very own Michael Rowland um, got to go attend the premiere in New York City, and and he just had incredible things to say. It was just such an energy about this show, and so much excitement right now. So I'm excited to to talk about it with you all. Um, so let's get into characters and storylines. I'm curious, you guys, and anybody jump in at any time if there were char particular characters or plot lines that jumped out to you that caught your attention that you're excited about 
Go ahead. <laughs> okay, I'll start. <laughs> so uh, for for the both episodes, um, without getting into too many deals, but we're not not doing spoilers here. Um, the Harfoots, um, anything and everything to do with them and the Stranger, I really really enjoyed, um, and I enjoyed um, Prince Durin, uh, his his storyline with Elrond. Um, those were the two ones that I thought were the best done storylines. That makes any sense in the show. Everything else was a little. And I know you mentioned it. There's there's a lot of people who are new to the show that uh, thought it was slow, and it was the story storyline was slow. But they're setup episodes, I, I, and I knew that intellectually watching it, I knew that the first episode they're going to set a lot of stuff up, so they can't really go through it. But 100, uh, percent I'm really excited. I can watch a whole show with just the Harfoots or or the Dwarves. That's it. Nothing else, and I'd be happy. So I felt very so similarly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I felt similarly about the Harfoots. I was very surprised um, because I was so skeptical of their storyline, but I I thought they were so enchanting. There was a very mm. um, charming quality to them, and the the Lost Boys element of them popping out of the earth and uh, just different things like that were were really really fun to watch. And I think that Nori Brandyfoot has this endearing quality about her. Um, and mm. what an I mean, Markella Cavanaugh, the actor is just she's fantastic she's a joy to watch very dynamic um so i agree with you that the harfoots were shockingly i think uh, one of my more one of my more favorite um storylines in the whole thing um uh, and also obviously as you mentioned the, the dwarves were were pretty fantastic um yeah, cause of 100%. doom was was beautiful uh they were fun they were playful decent in particular she was man such a powerhouse actor um so yeah, all good stuff there. What about you, Matt Roland? I, I have to agree. I mean, those two storylines were my my favorite. Uh, but I I loved uh, Casa Doom. Is that what it's called? The the Mountain Kingdom with the yeah the dwarves. I thought it was just gorgeous. I loved that storyline. Um, I thought the interplay between Elrond and, and Durin was great. But I also mm -hmm. you know just jumping to acting. But I thought Durin was my favorite actor so far in these first two seasons. I just felt like he brought a lot of depth to those lines and it could have been really flat you know it's a lot of what he was saying but i kind of like that they made him an emotional character it's play you know it surprised me a little bit you don't expect you know this burly prince uh character who's in charge of mining and he just obviously has a lot of emotional depth to him you know he was hurt by his friend leaving and, and i just love i thought they kind of played out that whole uh storyline um well you know how it just the introduction of him being rebuffed from the entrance to just the breakdown of of the that barrier um in a distance and then getting into the home it just like it was a great arc and i guess that's sort of what john was saying it's just the arc yeah. of each episode I, I think that's something that's going to be really challenging with this many storylines is how an individual arc starts and completes within an episode and um yeah i think that is part of the reason that those two storylines stood out to me is that it felt like in each of the episodes, it kind of had a starting and ending spot, but also left you know great cliffhangers too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I yeah, I definitely enjoyed that banter between Elf and Dwarf. I thought it was I thought it was well done. Um, I did have a few issues, which I mentioned on our podcast, with the burping at the table and some of the more cheesy moments. But I do think that that's very reminiscent of what Peter Jackson did, and and folks are very attached to that image of the dwarves in their head. Um, so I think they're very much playing into that kind of trope of the door dwarves. But I don't think they went overboard with it. I will say that. Um, but before I get to talking too much, I'd love to hear your thoughts, Chobel. 
Yeah, as you mentioned, the the Harfords really surprised me actually because it, as you said, it was a big concern uh, how they were how they were about to depict them. But I got so surprised and I really fell in love with uh, that whole storyline. And Prince Durin, of course, uh, amazing actor, amazing job, that whole dialogue. And for me, Arondir uh, also made a big impact on me. A really good actor and uh, yeah. I really thought he did a good job. And I'm excited to see where this l- leaves us. <laughs> yeah. Arondir is, man, he was such a powerhouse. I also really enjoyed watching him. The first elf of color. I mean, this is a really big deal. Um, and in interviews with the actor, uh, Ismail Cruz Cordova, I believe that's his name. He talks about, you know, never imagining it as a child that this would be possible for him. Um, and so I've, I've really enjoyed reading a lot of his interviews because he's been a fan of the lore for a long time. And just the fact that he is now a part of this huge franchise as a person of color, um, the first elf of color is, is it's really cool to watch and he's fantastic um i'm curious to hear what you guys thought of the love story this is very controversial the love story between arondir and bronwyn thoughts about this plot line what you liked what you didn't like i actually like that they mentioned that this has has only occurred uh two times before uh so they gave sort of a heads up like this isn't common uh in middle earth uh and i really like that because this isn't something you should take light on uh as they did in the hobbit this whole uh, love triangle triangle um so i really like that they mention it and just tell us that this isn't something uh in the ordinary so to say yeah i liked um you know i liked in these two episodes how much they're uh kind of playing off the different races uh you know we have the different species basically with different cultures and so clearly they're setting up you know each of these main characters there's a central other from another race that they're interacting with in these first two episodes right so it's like exploring this space about cross-cultural communication and races and and uh cooperation and so it kind of made sense to me that there was an elf human love interest and maybe there's a second elf human love interest we don't know yet but you know that other foil of the elf and human um so i i liked it okay i mean i'm curious to see where it's going i would say overall uh the humans seem pretty lame (laughs) i just like (laughs) i disagree (laughs) i I kept i like let's get away from these humans these are uh i don't know their culture seems the most undeveloped and you know they're their they were real though they were like the the people that played the humans the people that that were on screen they were dirty they were weathered they were uncultured they were uneducated in some cases it seemed and it was it was how i would expect it to be a a broken human civilization like i i I really enjoyed them not to say that i would watch a show fully about them (laughs) they're not my favorite but i think they did a really good job with them um man i'm i'm chewing my tongue off right now because (laughs) i can't talk about what it's so it's hard for me to not talk about what happens (laughs) good read lord of the rings books and the hobbit and 25 years ago or more now it was high school so a long time ago for me um i watched peter jackson's movies i watched the hobbit movies unfortunately um <laughs> i don't know if that's a popular opinion of lord of the rings fandom or not but i didn't like those ones at all i feel um, that way as well maybe a couple of times uh over the last 10 or 15 years um and so i don't know the lore i don't know what things are supposed to be i don't know things how how they work out um 
but I liked it. I, I like with Bronwyn um, uh, and um, I can't, I can't, what was the else name? Arondir. Arondir. So Bronwyn and Arondir, I, it was a believable romance, a believable, um, they knew it was frowned upon. They knew it wasn't normal. It wasn't what other people expected. And they were both sort of fighting it. And, and both actor and actress conveyed that perfectly on screen to me. And I was really impressed with that aspect of it. And I, I'm super excited to see where that goes. Um, yeah. No, yeah. Uh, I think that they had a lot of good chemistry on screen, those two actors. My criticism would be that I wish I could have seen a little bit more of the buildup to the relationship. They just sort of plopped us uh, into their relationship at the time where the conflict is already happening. And I would have loved to see a little bit more background, but I'm a person who likes a slow burn. Um, So I would have liked to see their courtship just a little bit. Um, And we did see that nice moment where he professes his love maybe for the first time and his feelings. Um, so you did get just a little bit of background. She's the She's been the only person who's been kind to him the whole time he's been in this human village. But again, um, I wish they would have started us just a tad earlier in their relationship so that we could sort of um, be more sympathetic to it and uh, have more of sort of an attachment to their plot line. But um, I... I did enjoy the action sequences in that storyline. It was very horror film to me. There was a lot of uh, elements of a like Hitchcock. I saw nods to Hitchcock in there. I'm curious to hear what you guys thought of the the scenes with the orc and the the chase scenes and Arondir, you know, finding out that evil is burrowed in the ground. Thoughts on that? I feel like it kind of went from laid back to a horror story as you said the orc was uh, really really scary uh, yeah if i would just say so i think they did a good job the first orc in this new series uh or yeah they showed some orcs in the prologue but this was the first like it was it was good i i was i was really impressed with that aspect of it because they leaned like like you said they leaned into the horror so i felt like i was watching a sam raimi film or a john carpenter film um and i i liked the way they transitioned. So they went from just like the regular fantasy into something dark and horrifying. And then they kind of came back later on um, with, with the wider shots and not, I don't know if you're familiar with Sam Raimi's directing style. But there's a lot of very close, quick shots as they, they, they jump scare you at the same time. It, it, I felt that way in the tunnels and I liked it a lot. Um, and I hope they keep that up. I hope they don't just become cannon fodder. If that makes any sense. I know that's probably what they are. Cause I, that that's what I kind of remember. Like they were like in the movies, they were just kind of cannon fodder, but I, I hope that they're a little more scary and they stay as scary as they were in the first couple episodes. I was, I was definitely getting, getting some stranger things vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way just sort of this, the black ooze and you know, the, the underworld coming up and you know, tr- overtaking the, the world and, yeah, maybe it's because I, I watched the recent episode, the se- recent season of Stranger Things, you know, not that long ago, so it's fresh in my mind. Uh, but I thought that was pretty interesting because that didn't really, I you know, I didn't have that sort of horror feel from the the Fellowship trilogy, um, the Peter Jackson films. Uh, so it was a, it felt like a different kind of horror. I did like it. So we'll see how far they take that, like creepy, crawly, and you know. Or blackness overtaking the light. Yeah, you know, 
I think that Peter Jackson, he was actually a horror film um, maker before he did those films. So he definitely infused some Hitchcockian elements of using the vertigo for certain scenes. And I noticed that they did similar things in this series, um, which is a nice nod to to the Jackson films. But um, I want to get to Galadriel's storyline. She's obviously a huge plow- power player in this series. She's a big focal point. Um, a lot of people had criticisms. There was too much time spent with Galadriel at sea, um, her jumping off the boat with no plan what's going on here um her her is a a commander a a leader of an army um people have thoughts and feelings about this so i'm I'm curious to hear what you guys thought of galadriel's storyline uh well i i guess i'll start um i really liked it um and i i don't know how the lore represented her. I don't know how um, she's supposed to be. It, quote unquote. I'm using quotes there. Uh, I've seen a lot of anger online about it, but I didn't get it because I don't know it. Um, to me, she seemed like the type of character that was always leaked before she looks. 100. This is this. She's she's uh, very emotional and wants to deal with what she wants to deal with, and doesn't think of how she's going to get there. Not the journey, but the the end result is all she wants. That's what I got out of her character. So when she jumped off the boat, I was like, yep, yeah, that's that's what I expected her to do personally, myself, from what I had seen in the show uh, with no preconceived notions whatsoever of, of what I should think. Um, I like that she was a badass. I like that she uh, took control of her troops. I liked, I liked all the things that happened in her storyline. Um, I don't know where they're going to go with it. I'm I'm thinking that there's a love interest there that's going to be introduced. That's that's my guess anyway, but I have no idea. And I'm kind of hoping there isn't. If that makes any sense, I would prefer if she didn't have a love interest and she stood on her old two feet and she just did her own thing and was badass throughout the whole series. But I, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I, I, I liked her storyline. I liked how they portrayed it. I like I like her character so far. It's it's fun, you know since I have a reference point for her character from the other, the other films, um, it's neat to see this backstory. She's definitely a badass, you know, fighter and leader, uh, like John was saying. So I like that. The one thing that I I'm still sort of processing and wrapping my head around is just the timeline of these episodes, but also this whole world, right? So supposedly she, she was out exploring, looking for Sauron for centuries, I, I just, it's hard for me to fathom doing anything for centuries, let alone one job, so to speak. So she's obviously really dedicated. And then, you know, same with the elves. He, he's been at this post for 78 years. So I know it's a blip in time for immortal creatures, but that this whole concept, exploring that whole concept of immortality and time and how it relates to the different groups, it's still kind of, it's stretching my brain. Uh, but the fact that she would be this dedicated to one job, you know, I, I want to know more about her internal motivation. I know she's got you know a lot of hatred burning inside of her, but to do anything for centuries, it's it, it makes my brain hurt. Right. I think what they were trying to do with the mark of Sauron um, is say, well, she has evidence that Sauron is still out there. This is her evidence. But for me, it was a little bit um, on the weaker side. Of course, she has this vendetta because he's, you know, killed a lot of her family, which they talk about in the series. Her brother is dead, who we got to see in the beginning. So they're building this emotional attachment um, to these to these family members, these relationships. Um, but I, I agree with you a little bit, Matt, in that the motivation seemed just a tad off to me um, that she would 
choose to uh, choose to stay in Middle Earth, I was still, it seemed like a little bit of a stretch. Um, but I, like you, I'm also excited to see her sort of arc because we know, based off the Jackson films, this isn't spoilery, that she becomes this very um, renowned, regal, very calm uh, presence and we get to see her evolution presumably through the show to arrive at that point um so i'm definitely looking forward to to seeing her transform uh during this series um and hopefully show some more you know we get to see more emotional range from her um she's so far just been like fire and fury <laughs> so mm-hmm. hopefully we get to see a little a bit of a softer side of of galadriel in the future um, uh, and I actually think that uh, Elrond is going to help her with that, so it would seem in this series so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get why to do some things with the, the character. Um, yeah. Anything you guys want to predict happens in the series? Just the folks who do not have a wider lore knowledge. So that's that's me and me and Matt, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> do you want yes. to go first, Matt? Do you have any predictions? Just you two. Sure. Yeah. I'll go. Well, I'll say okay. A couple things that we haven't really touched on. I'll just throw out that I really liked. You know, having the, the Peter Jackson films is my re- main reference in the books. I, I really like that in this series we're getting a deeper look in the cultures of, of the you know the dwarves and of the elves, but the hobbits too. Because um, I feel like in the whole Lord of the Rings other films, you know, it's kind of all there's culture, but there's it's a lot of plot. And I like so far that we're getting this more nuanced view of you know how these cultures operated, what their religion was like, or you know what the industry was like, or what the technology was like. So I, I think just talking about things we're excited about, I'm excited to see that play out a little bit more. I really like those parts of this. You know, the the world building from a landscape was amazing, mm. but also the world building of the cultures it, it felt kind of new. So I'm I'm into that. Um, I think the biggest like questions I have moving forward, I, I definitely want to know who this meteor man is. I, I'm kind of guessing he's a wizard because that's the one thing that they haven't really presented in this world. I know it's a big part of the world, but I'm also curious why you know this whole like heat question. So there's this hot cold and this person from outer space, you know, he's creating fire that is is cold which is the same thing as sauron it seems like so i'm a little perplexed about the the bad good qualities um of the fire uh but also okay so predictions hot takes i think kelebrimbor is going to be really important um so obviously he's doing something of industry and because it's called rings of power i'm going to predict that he is making the rings of power it seems like that's where we're leading this with this leading us with this giant forge that he wants to create Mm -hmm. um for me that that um whole storyline i was surprised they didn't spend very much time on it it was sort of like this super brief conversation between kelebrimbor and elrond he's like i want to build this huge forge, and i need an army to do it it felt a little bit rushed we didn't get to see like why kelebrimbor wants it um we didn't get to see any of his motivations for wanting to build it. So I'm hoping that there'll be more of an explanation um, on his part from the showrunners. But um, I agree. That's 
that's a that seems to be where they're leading us. Um, I do have to ask you, Matt Roland, um, before we end things, I have to ask you about the music. We haven't talked about the music at all. Um, that's a huge part of the show. So I'll ask you, Matt, first, and then I'll ask other people, is that's a part of the cinematography, uh, what they thought about the music. I liked it overall. So I watched the episodes twice and I, I actually, I'll say the first time I watched them, I did find it a little distracting sometimes. Um, and it just, the, the tones between the different storylines was, um, I don't know. Yeah. It just didn't sit quite right. But the second time I watched it, I liked the music a lot more. I do like that. They're kind of creating different textures for the different worlds. You know, like you said, the Harfoots do have kind of that lost boys music vibe with marimbas and, um, you know, then some Celtic instruments, uh, but also it really reminded me of like the Star Wars soundtracks, like what they're doing in Star Wars now, at least for the Harfoot. So I, I like that world. It's kind of, it'll take, I think, some time for me to make those gel. But overall, I thought the soundtrack was really beautiful. Um, and I think as the show progresses, it'll just feel more natural to me how it's paired with the action and and just that pairing. I think the bar is so high with what we heard from Howard Shore that everybody's you know, got this comparison um, and wanting to hear, I personally wanted to hear, I think, stronger themes um, associated mm -hmm. with certain places. I was very pleased with um, how much singing there was. Uh, so the just the scene with the elves on the boat singing, I thought was really beautiful. Um, and I think I mentioned this on our podcast um, with Michael, but I think that that scene had such potential to be really cheesy and overdone, um, overwrought. But I, it really worked for me. I loved that scene of the elves just bursting into song in response to hearing it come from from Valinor. Um, that was that was beautiful. I'm I'm looking forward to Disa singing. I don't. I, she mentioned you know they the that they sing to identify parts of the mountain that they can delve into. I thought that was a very interesting concept. Um, curious to hear your thoughts on the music, John. And Chobel. Um, so the music was gorgeous. Um, I, I watched both episodes a couple of different times. First time, I, I didn't pay attention to anything. I just was immersed and, and I was happy watching it. But because of that, when I watched it the second time, I started paying attention to, to little things. Uh, and the music was one of them. And um, Lauren Balf did the music for Wheel of Time and he did an amazing job. This music was just as good, if not better, uh, in, in some ways. And there's so much of it. There's just so many different types for each race and they all seem to have their own theme and their own cadence. Uh, I was, I was blown away because I think later on in the series, uh, maybe not just yet, but later on in the series, you may even know which scenes are setting up based on the music because of the type of music it is, because you'll know who is going to be on screen or, or which types of, of, of uh, characters will be on screen. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. I thought it was amazing personally. I really liked it. Yeah, I agree. The music was one of the best parts, I think, uh, especially the Casa Doom and Valinor soundtrack. Uh, but I also liked the soundtrack for the Harfoots. Um, the penny whistle with the Harfoots, sort of the Irish accents and the Irish feeling music was so it added to the whole um, to the whole Harfoot world for me. It added so much. I really enjoyed that music as well. The Harfoot uh, themes. Um, just that whole storyline and all of that was, was a plus for me. Definitely. Um, any other cinematic elements that we want to cover? Um, I'll mention that I really, a lot of people were saying that 
they wanted more natural looking lighting that one of the things that they liked about the original Lord of the Rings is that they used natural light when possible. Um, and this light was very affected, right? It was very, um, it was very dramatic. It, it looked, it looked a little bit like, uh, they were manufacturing it at times, but I still thought it was so beautiful. Um, and definitely it worked for me. Um, and the CGI also, you know, worked for me as well. I thought it looked great. I'm curious to hear what you guys thought about both the lighting um, and the CGI effects. For me, um, anybody who's familiar with my channel or familiar with anything I do on WhatUp, um, they'll know that I'm a practical effects person only. I hate CG. I hate computer generated stuff, but I give it passes for two different reasons. First reason is if I can't tell, if I can't tell, that's great. That's how CG should be for me. And the second is if the CG, I know it's CG, but it fits. Um, and for the most part, the first two episodes fell in both those categories. So either I couldn't tell it was CG and it was blended so perfectly with, with the actual environments and the actors and actresses and the props that were there that I couldn't tell. So I was happy with that. Or I could see something, uh, like the wolf type creature or, uh, the, the, the lit trees and, and some of the, um, other elements like uh, where, where they showed like underneath the water and all the bodies and stuff. You knew that was CG. You knew that, but it fit well. Um, and it didn't look cheesy. It didn't look cheap. It, it actually looked like they spent money on it, which of course they did. Um, so for the most part, the CG I was happy with. Uh, lighting, again, I thought they knocked it out of the park with the lighting. I don't think a natural lighting element for this type of show with how flashy and polished and nice everything looks would have worked near as well as what they did, especially with all of the CG and all of the extra stuff they added in. Um, I don't think it would have fit. I think it might have looked at a place. That's my opinion, but. Right. And it is fantasy. I mean, we want that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I agree with that. You want it to pop. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I felt like the, I mean, it really transported me, especially, you know, the, the sort of big, high upscapes like zoom into the cities the whole it, the world just looked amazing and the trees and the, the lighting i like that sort of golden fantasy element it felt very light but also really beautiful the only uh computer generation stuff that bugged me was elves flying through the air you know there's a couple couple scenes of that action and that just didn't yeah. look natural to me so that, that's Let's my, talk only, about the action. my only action um there was certainly some battle scenes between when, for example, Galadriel is fighting the snow troll um, that people had a lot of criticisms of, that it was very highly choreographed um, and it didn't look realistic. Um, my response to that would be, well, elves are supposed to have these sort of supernatural powers where they can do things that humans can't do, right? Um, and she, the way that she jumps off of the sword and sort of does these twirls, uh, it was, for me, it was verging on over the top, but I don't think they abused it too much. I think they do have to be careful moving forward, but um, people I'm had curious. problems with that. And they didn't have problems with Legolas in the movies? I mean, come on. Oh, people had problems with Legolas <laughs> in the movies. People for sure had problems with Legolas in the movies. That was terrible. Movies. I mean, from what I remember, I, it was one of the few things that I hated about the movies was just his movements because they were terrible. And the way he, yeah, the way he got up on the, the like the. Elephant. The elephant or whatever. Yeah, whatever it was. That was just unnatural. It's, yeah, it didn't work at all. This, 
yeah, it was it was polished. It looked choreographed. It looked better. But so does pretty much everything in Hollywood now. I mean, there's very few natural fighting styles done in shows anymore um, because it doesn't look good on the screen. It they, they they choreograph it on purpose. That's that's why it looks that way because it's exciting and it looks cool. I don't know. I, I, I have no issue with it. I think Jenju, you, you got something uh, uh, right there because. I mean, you can see, kind of see the, a big difference in the fighting scene when uh, Theo and Bronwyn is fighting the orc uh, compared to uh, Galadriel facing the ice troll. Uh, so I think it's a big difference between elves fighting and men fighting. Um, and or training and no training. Wow. <laughs> that could be the case too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we certainly don't want to go negative, but is there anything that just did not work for you? <laughs> What? We I, want to have, hear all kinds of opinions. I have two things that didn't work for me for the show. Um, when I reviewed the first episode, and it's up to my channel now if anyone wants to look at it, um, I gave it a nine and a half, and it only lost half a point for editing and pacing. Um, mm -hmm. And one scene I want to talk about in particular, the way they edited it together was jarring, took me out of the show, and I didn't like it. It was when the ship was at sea, and they were going towards, um, it's a place called the Elsko. Valinor. Valinor. So they're going towards Valinor. So the ship was in the water and the, 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 the clouds and the color was all in front of them. And then they immediately cut to however many meters of forward of the ship and the, the clouds opened up. And I thought I was watching a Monty Python show where the clouds opened up and the, 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 the big, you know, God or whoever in the sky was there. That's what it felt like when they did that. It looked really terrible to me. Um, if they'd kept a little bit more, you know, with the, the ship in the shot, kept everything more natural and moved a little bit better, I think that would have been better. Um, and the only other gripe I have was the pacing. But of course, the first episode was fully setting up um, the rest of the series. So it was a setup episode. There was a lot of storytelling and, and, and characters to set up. So yeah, there was very little pushing of the story in that episode. And in the second one was a little bit better. Of course, the, there was more story there, but again, the pacing was a little bit slow. And I feel like at this point, there's really, really only two stories that have started. And that's um, Elrond and, and Prince Durin and uh, Bronwyn. That those are the only two stories that I feel have started at all. Um, Gladriel's story is there, but it's, it hasn't really begun yet. So I think we may see that further, but again, those are the only two gripes I had. Yeah, and that's fair. I think the pacing, it's really hard to get the pacing right when you have so many different storylines and characters to introduce and they wanted to spend time world building um, mm -hmm. and making sure we have context for all these stories about to unfold. So I, I do think, um, you know, my partner and I were watching it and he was he was saying, you know, is something going to like happen here that excites me? <laughs> for me, I thought it, a lot of it was exciting. But personally, yeah, I think he had issues with the pacing as well. Um, Anybody else? Yeah, I, I would just I guess say I, I've, I sort of at least now right now feel like the backstory with Galadriel and or the I guess it's the first age, right? Mm -hmm. It felt kind of unnecessary to me. Um, so I really like the second episode better than the first episode. Uh, so maybe it was important for world building, but I feel like that could have been a flashback at some point. Because you know, the main thing mm -hmm. is now Sauron is the enemy. Morgoth, for, for me, Morgoth, could just not exist and it would be just as compelling narrative wise i agree with that yeah 100%, yeah. yeah the childhood galadriel stuff i could have um i could have done without 
Uh, I don't think they nailed that scene. I don't think they hit it out of the park with the dialogue was very on the nose for me there. It was very like pretty heavy handed. Um, I don't know if anyone else felt that way, but the dialogue between Galadriel and her brother, um, it felt to me a little bit manufactured. And I, I, I said this, but I was hoping that they, it wouldn't feel invented the dialogue since they don't have books to go off of. Um, And there were, don't get me wrong, there were scenes that I thought were done impeccably well um, with the dialogue, but I felt that uh, similarly to you, Matt, that the whole child, elvish childhood um, probably could have been scrapped. I liked that we got, you know, the background, but it was a little too heavy on here's Galadriel as a child and there was like a cheesy element to it all. Yeah. You know, the, the, the other elvish children don't like her very much. <laughs> You know, uh, just the 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 playground bully element, and then the like Galadriel, you you're out, you know, messing about again from the older brother was. I think it's really important in those first first few scenes to really nail it, and that was um, that was something for me that was a little bit disappointing. Oh, it's just those first few shots, not the narration portion. I thought the narration was was really great. I don't know if you guys liked the prologue. I loved the prologue. No, I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, prologue was really wonderful. Um, but also, yeah, I feel the same way as you, Matt. I probably could have done without those uh, those childhood Galadriel scenes. <laughs> I think it's more. When is the watch party origami <laughs> download? I like that. We can add that. Session? We do have um, cocktails every week, folks, which we're going to get to uh, later in this stream. But I want to I want to thank um all of you newbies for joining me, you guys, I really value your input. It's going to be really fun to um, go on this journey with those of you who will be returning. Um, so I hope you guys will come back. And uh, this was the spoiler-free panel. Um, please tune into this panel if you do not want to know what happens, um, because we have newbies to the show who are just seeing it through, through fresh eyes and reacting to the show based on its own merits. Um, and next up, we're going to have a panel of experts. We're like super nerds, lore enthusiasts who have a lot of knowledge about the books and they're going to react to the show. They're going to break it all down for you. They're going to make predictions. Um, if you're going to want to watch this, if you have any interest in the wider Tolkien canon. So thank you to my spoiler free panel. I'm going to turn it back over to our host, Michael now, and um, we're going to get rocking and rolling with the rest of our show.